Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Within this world, we have a lot of sayings um, that help us try to embrace the current moment, right? Live today as if you were to die tomorrow. Carpe diem, seize, seize the day, right? Or we are not promised tomorrow, so we have to get busy with what we have today, right? All these things, these sayings help us to try and appreciate, <coughs> excuse me, appreciate and live within the time that we have right now, right? And yet, how different life looks for someone who just abides by that saying, when they are focused on the things of this world, as opposed to someone who is keeping their eyes on Christ. So what Jesus puts forward, forward for us in our gospel text today from Luke, uh, from Luke chapter 16 is a stark contrast that is uncomfortable it's not fun to talk about because it's not fun to probe the depths of ourselves and to see just where our devotion lies most of the time. It's not fun. But our Lord has us do these things from time to time, if not perpetually, so that we would not fall into temptation, so that we would not fall into uh, a false sense of comfort or security, that we would be as, 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 as St. Paul says, that we should, that if, if, if anyone who thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. So we have to take heed from time to time and check on ourselves and say, where is my devotion? Where is my time, talents, and treasures being spent? And how can I change? How might I get better at these things? Where do I need to cut some things out? And so on and so forth. It's not fun because, well, it eventually asks the question, whom do you serve? That's what Jesus asks us this Sunday. He says, whom do you serve? Because one who is faithful in a in a, a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in, 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 
in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God, you cannot serve God and mammon, right? We'll get to that mammon in just a second here. But first I want to unpack the parable that comes before this. And I was saying this in Sunday school beforehand, pastors always kind of groan when this parable comes up. Because it's not easy. It's a tough parable. And it's one that is a bit tricky. Uh, but it's one that's very, very important. And when seen in the right light, can be very motivating for us Christians. So, just as a quick recap for the parable, um, Jesus is speaking to his to his his disciples here. And he's having this be for their benefit. And he's talking about a rich man who had a steward, right? And charges were brought to the master that this man, the steward, was wasting his possessions. What was he doing? Some people think that he was cooking the books. Uh, Some people think that he was stashing away a bit here and a bit there for himself in case something bad happened. Um, In the most general reading, it is that he is being wasteful. He is not doing his job. He simply kind of clocks in and clocks out and doesn't do very much in between, right? That this man is the one who is supposed to take the goods of the household, the wealth, and put it to good use, and it's just being squandered. It's just, uh, it is being, he's dropping the ball, basically. He is, being, um, he, he is being negligent to the point where the master is losing his wealth. And so he calls to him and says to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be manager. And this is understandable. The master is doing the right thing. The man is not doing his job. So he deserves to be fired. But it's not just a simple uh, turn in your key card at the desk and we'll have a guard escort you out, right? Leave everything there. Somebody will handle it, how they handle things in corporate America now. This guy in the ancient world, he knows where everything is. He knows where all the accounts are. He knows everything. He has the authority to take care of all this stuff. And it's like saying to... um, I use this this morning as well. It's like saying to your uh, lawyer, if he's not doing a good good job, you say, I found somebody else. Turn over all that you have to him. It takes a couple days to get everything together and to turn it over. So he's allowing this man, seemingly foolishly, if he's not doing his job, why would he just allow him to do this? I think it's because he sees him as slothful and that he's just not going to do anything bad. He's just useless. He's just going to get it all together, turn it in, be on his way. The master doesn't expect what comes next. So the steward says to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the stewardship away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. 
And then as if a bolt of lightning hits him, he goes, I know what I'm going to do. And so then he decides to roll out his plan. This man, while he may have been slothful, hops to right now, and he gets busy. He knows exactly what he needs to do. He calls in the debtors for his master, one by one, and he asks them how much they owe. And for one man, he cuts it by half. And the other man, he gives him a 20% discount, right? Now, he's not just scratching out the amounts. He still has the books. He gets a whole new bill for them. He writes it fresh and says, that's what it is, and no one's going to know anything else, right? Keep in mind, these are all things you should not do, right? So then it is mind-boggling on some level, and this may be why pastors don't necessarily like to talk about this parable, that after doing all this, so that he'll have a place to go, right? He needs to be a part of a household. He needs somewhere to land after he loses this job and this position. Because it's not just that he had this job and a house and he had a commute. He lived in the master's house. He's got to have somewhere to go, right? So he does these favors for these other people who are of a same caliber as his Lord. And then the master finds out and oddly enough commends this, this, this dishonest steward. He commends him. And that is probably the reason why people say, I'm not really comfortable with this. But it's one of these things where you have to say, give credit where credit is due. This man took care of himself. He was shrewd. He was cunning. He was wise. Granted, all for the wrong ends. That is key. It is all for the wrong ends that he is shrewd and cunning and wise and diligent and, and, uh, and methodical about how he goes about this. Those qualities by themselves are not bad to be shrewd and cunning and wise and diligent. The ends of what those things shoot for are the things which you should be careful of. Because Jesus says that the master commends the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, his keenness to take care of what he wants. And Jesus says, For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means, by means of, of unrighteous mammon, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying that you are stewards of light. You are co-heirs with Christ. You have been given a great heritage and a great blessing of being called children of God. Therefore, use those gifts. Use the time that God has granted to you. Use those things that will pass away. Use the wealth that you have, the property that you have, the time that you have, the talent that you have, and put it 
to good use like this dishonest steward did, but again, for the right aims, right? For the right goals. And in that way, you prove whom you serve. You prove out whether you serve yourself, whether you serve your wealth, whether you live for your time, whether you live for your talent, for yourself or for somebody else, or you live for your treasure, serving it, as opposed to having it serve those that God has given to you to serve. That is the key. And I go back to this stark contrast that Jesus has for us. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, mammon is a transliteration in the Greek. It's not translated into our Bible here. I wish that it was, because it is so wide-ranging. It is so broad. It is more than just is more than just wealth in terms of dollar bills, as we would say. It is wealth of all that God has given us in this world. Like I said, time, talents, and treasures, as we like to say. It is all those things. It is comfort. Uh, it is the time that we spend doing whatever it is, whether it's work or play. <clears throat> it is property that we may have been given or that we have bought, but either way, it is a gift from God. It may be the assets that we hold or what have you. All of these things can be and often are a snare to a lot of people. When you have a lot of things, when you have a lot that you possess, eventually you will be tempted to covet and not just what somebody else has, but you covet what you already have. It's a strange thing that sometimes people's possessions wind up possessing them. And that is what Christ is talking about here. He's not saying that this is against those who have a lot of possessions. This is for those who serve their possessions, who are slaves to their possessions, who do all that they do for the sake of their possessions and what they have, what God has given them. And therefore, it twists their mind and their focus from the giver of the gifts to the gifts themselves. It takes your eyes off of the God who grants these things to you to the things that he has granted. So, it is a fitting question for us. Whom do you serve? Do you serve the one true God? Or do you serve mammon, that household God that you devote your time to, divided from the one true God? And again, that can be anything. I mean, anything is included in Mammon, that, that in and of themselves is not a bad thing, but when your devotion is geared primarily or more so toward that, then it becomes a false idol. And sometimes these false idols, these false gods, 
they need to be smashed. Now, y'all are probably going to get upset with me, but uh, remember, I'm just doing my job here, that even those things can be a snare such as wealth, such as your sports team affiliation, right? Whether you're an Aggie or a Longhorn, whether you're an Astros fan or a Cowboys fan, God forbid. Anyways, um, it's one of those things where if you say to somebody else, how would you characterize me? And they say, oh man, you love the Aggies. Oh man, you love the Longhorns. You're a great Astros fan. If that's the first thing they say to you and not, well, you know, you, good, you set forward a good example of a Christian. That might be the litmus test that you need that says something's got to change. Something's got to change. Do your actions portray your faith? Do you serve the one true God with all of the wealth the time, talents, and treasures that God has given you? Or do you primarily use it for your own ends, for your own pleasures, or for things that would just be wasted and recreation is more important than making sure that the gospel and the kingdom of God is put forward for people that they may know who Christ is? It's a hard thing to have to face, but Jesus uses combative language against these false gods so that we would be true to ourselves, be honest with ourselves, and to ask ourselves, what are my actions betraying about me? Where are my aims at? Where is my focus? What are my goals? Because because the steward in the parable, though he was not righteous in what he did, it betrays his goal, right? He goes about attaining it diligently, methodically, and the sons of light should follow suit in faithfulness, not to themselves, not to the world, but to God, because of what he has already done for you. He who has given his son to die for you, to shed his blood, which covers your sin, now makes you an heir. So you are not like the unjust steward. The unjust steward lives for today and maybe tomorrow because he's planning for the future. He doesn't know what it's going to be, so he works really hard to make sure he has some assurance. He is works righteous in that sense. We are not, as Christians, we are not works righteous. We know what the future is. We know who we belong to. We belong to the one true God. So if we know the future, and we know that it has been made sure by God himself, how diligent should we be in bringing more people into his household? How diligent should we be in spreading his good news of Christ? What should we do with our time, talents, and treasures for the good of his kingdom, knowing what he has already done 
for us. And if you need some help figuring that out, because sometimes it's a little tricky, right? Sometimes you have to take account of what you have and how it can be used. And everybody may be different, but I gave, but I gave this some thought that if you do a time audit and see how you spend your time and see where your time is spent, where you spend your wealth, how can you repent and turn if you need to? <clears throat> how can you do those good things you may already do? How can you do them better by God's grace and favor? There may be some things to use what God has given you that will eventually pass away to gain for yourself and for others true treasures, which are other people, right? Before I get to those things, maybe that would help to clarify these Treasures that God talks about, the true treasures in heaven. When he says in, um, I believe it's Matthew's gospel during the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures, not, not the kind of treasures where moth and rust can, can destroy and thieves can break in and steal. Instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust will not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Ask yourself, if the old adage is true, that you can't take it with you, what are the treasures? What are the treasures that Christ speaks of that you will be given in heaven? If it's not those people that he has given to you to serve, in Christ's name, so that they would benefit forever from the knowledge of Christ. And that's anyone from our children to those who live next to us, down the road from us, those who go to church with us even, our friends, our family, anyone that God gives us in our daily lives those are the treasures you should store up for yourself because those will be the ones you will see in heaven if they believe in Christ as their Savior. How diligent will you be in ensuring that you will see them there with Christ for all eternity, knowing that that is your treasure? Take care of those things. What are some things you can do to ensure that those people might know Christ or be strengthened in that knowledge of Christ and in the faith of Christ? What can you do? Maybe spend a little time, first off, in prayer. Spend time praying. And if you're not in a regular habit of praying, set aside some time, right? Set aside some time. Five minutes is all you need to start. Set a timer. I got a timer on my watch. I got this watch. It's great. I set a timer for five minutes and I get started. And it's amazing how when you start praying, when the timer goes off, you go, wait a minute, there's so much more. And if you have the extra time, go for it. But start somewhere, right? Pray first and foremost for God to give you the strength, for God to be with that person that's on your heart and mind that really needs that prayer. God is the one who can do it, right? God is the one who can help in all these ways. Or spend a little more time in God's word, knowing that 
the word of God is a wonderful fountain that the more you drink of it, the more thirsty you get. Spend more time in your, in your, your, your Bible. And this is going to sound funny, but Bibles are so cheap these days. You can go to Hobby Lobby and get a large print Bible for like 10 bucks. Put it in every big room of your house if that'll help you, right? And just have it open in your house, in your bedroom, in your uh, family room, in, dare I say, the bathroom. I mean, it's available all over the place so that you can just say, oh, maybe I, you know, I've got a little bit of time. I'm waiting for someone to call me back. Let's see what the Proverbs have to say. Let's see if I can read a psalm real quick. Something, right? These things are all things we can do. And therefore, if they're so cheap, maybe you keep one in your car. And if you run across somebody who you think would benefit from having a Bible, give it away. What greater gift can you give somebody than the Word of God for them to possibly read and know who Christ is? That connection is a wonderful connection to have. And here in this congregation, we make all uh, we try as best we can to give you tools for growth and study and growing in your faith. Maybe go through the congregation at prayer. If not, just take that and pray for the folks on that list. Take one person that you may even know and really pray for them. There are all kinds of things that we can do with our time, talents, and treasures. And if you, read portals, <clears throat> if you read portals of prayer, which I know a lot of y'all do, whenever we get them, a lot of them go out the door. That's wonderful. But I know that portals of prayer also have scriptural references for you to check out. And if you don't look at those scripture passages, do that. Try it. And this is going to sound harsh, but if all you do is ever read the portals of prayer and that's only the thing you do and you don't ever open your Bible to see what they talk about, you're hearing about Christ secondhand from someone else when you can join in with them firsthand and say, wow, there's so much more that they didn't even say, right? There's so much more. This is, this is to not make you feel bad only for the things that you could do better, but to encourage you to know that every moment that you have, everything that you have can be used in service to God's kingdom by his grace. Those things that you have are pure gifts. And what better thing to do than to give a pure gift to somebody else? Maybe if you have a phone, which I know everybody does, make a phone call. Call someone who needs to hear from you, whether that be a friend or family member or someone from church that you know is going through a hard time. Call them. Say, I'm praying for you. God is with you. It's that simple. Just a little bit goes a long way. Use the gift of your voice to talk to someone at church that you've never talked to ever, or very little, maybe. Don't let the God of your personal comfort get in the way of talking to somebody else that you've never talked to before. 
And don't let Satan tell you, oh, they don't want to be bothered by me. Go ahead and bother. That's okay. Sometimes they need to be bothered to know that someone cares about them enough to talk to them. And if you need any ideas of what else you'd like to do, talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about these things and ways that you can serve our Lord. And if you have ideas that our congregation can do to serve our Lord, please tell me, and I'd love to put something in action. Because we are heirs of God's kingdom. We are co-heirs with Christ, and we are children of God. And therefore, let us act like it. Let us be diligent. Let us be wise with our time, talents, and treasures. Let us go forward and shrewdly win people for Christ by God's grace. Help us, Lord, to escape from those temptations by the way of Christ. I pray that God would strengthen you because you are using your time well right now. You are here. You are with his children. You are with your fellow heirs in Christ. And I pray that he would strengthen you through that fellowship in the bond of peace. I pray that he would strengthen you in your baptism, that he has washed you clean of your sin. And I pray that he would strengthen you with the body and blood of Christ to go forward with your brothers and sisters in Christ, using all of the gifts that he has given you to serve those that he has given you to serve. God be with you in in that endeavor, and, and may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.